This is Hitting the Mark. Conversations with founders about the intersection of brand clarity and startup success. With your host, brand strategist and author, Fabian Geierhalter. I really think that a brand is really a company that people love for a reason. And then branding is honing in on and sharing that particular reason. That's, that's how I see it today. It's going to be different tomorrow. <laughs> Welcome to a new spin on Hitting the Mark. Today, we're actually going to be flipping the record. I'm Kara Abel, your unexpected host for this episode. And I've got something really special in store for you. As a career and accountability coach, a lawyer, and a martial arts nerd, I know a thing or two about the thrill of taking on a great challenge. That's why I'm here today, taking Fabian's mic away from him and inviting him to sit in the hot seat for once. And there's of course a juicy reason for this takeover. Fabian, the mastermind behind this podcast, has been designing something new in the world of hardware and direct-to-consumer startups. His latest venture, Tone Optic, a gem in the vinyl record storage space, which Fabian's recently launched and relaunched, has earned a 10 out of 10 on freshness from Trend Hunter. And Design Milk said his company is revolutionizing vinyl record storage. Believe it or not, this product only hit the market on November 1st. All right, so who's your MC for this show today? I'm Kara Abel. I guide people like you in embracing work that's energizing and not draining. If you're struggling with the daily grind and feeling like there just must be a way to not feel like work is just, you know, a thing we do to support our life outside of work. If you're a high achiever who's checked all the right boxes in life, but the work still, for whatever reason, doesn't feel fulfilling... Find me at karaebel.com. That's K-A-R-A-E-B-E-L.com. It's honestly time to redefine success on your own terms and identify and land a career that you're actually going to be waking up excited for. Now, I'm also a very, very, very proud member of Fabian's Hitting the Mark Circle. I don't know if you've heard about it, but it's a tight-knit community of brand strategists and entrepreneurs. So, if you want to dive deep into your brand or creative business, just join us for monthly one-hour calls with Fabian where we discuss everything from building brands to standing out as a startup and just so much more. It's basically a one-on-one -on -one with Fabian once a month. I've actually been a member for about, what, two years now? And it's been so helpful in thinking through building my own career, coaching business, and brand. You can find Fabian's group on Patreon. So that's going to be patreon.com slash hitting the mark. Patreon.com slash hitting the mark. All right, now it's time to turn the tables and delve into Fabian's world. How does a strategist behind so many brands fare when building his own brand? Well, let's find out. Fabian, welcome to your own show. Today is going to be all about Tone Optic and your path from brand strategist to founder. 
I can't wait to hear more about what you've learned through this experience. So thank you for letting me steal the mic away from you for this episode. You know, I still have my own mic here, right? <laughs> so I feel like I'm still somewhat in charge, but <laughs> it's definitely a takeover and it feels a little bit awkward. But thank you so much for being on the other side. This is, um, it's definitely different. Of course. And do you think you could kick us off by telling us more about how Tone Optic even came to be? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you have three hours, let's jump into it. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep it, you know, keep it fairly concise. Um, but it's been a crazy, crazy journey. So, I mean, I've been a founder pretty much all my life, but it's such a different kind of animal to to be a founder, not of a service oriented business, which suddenly to me feels like it's a walk in the park. <laughs> but to actually be in hardware, which they say there's the word hard in it for a reason, it's really hard to be in hardware. Um, none of that I had an idea, idea of, right? So two and a half years ago, um, pandemic, um, I, I found a sketch of mine where, where I had this idea of wouldn't it be cool if you have all of your records, your vinyl records stored on the wall the same way that you have books stored in your library, right? That's what people want to do. It looks really cool. Um, mm -hmm. But but you can't find anything. There's absolutely no way you can find it based on these thin spines. Some of them have no typography on them. Some of them are too thin to even have typography on them. Either way, it's like during, during the pandemic, I realized um, I have close to 2,000 records and I'm listening oh, to... Wow. I'm listening to 10 over and over and over again, because those are the ones with the big fat spines and the bold type. And those are the ones that I always gravitate to. And so I found this sketch that I, that I did a long time ago where I said, wouldn't it be cool if you can pull out the records and the records rotate towards you and you can go through the records like in a record store, you can flip through them and you push it back into the wall. And so I had this idea, which really sounds so rudimentarily, you know, easy, right? You've, you've, got, you've got something that rotates out 90 degrees and then you push mm -hmm. it back in. And I don't know what got into me, Kara, but somehow, like, it was, it was July 21, I think, I, I suddenly said, well, I mean, you know, it's the pandemic. Why don't, I, why don't I just use some of the time and why don't I just contact someone and ask how difficult is this and that's the biggest that's the biggest mistake or the biggest opportunity because the minute that you say well let me just make a call that from there on like now i'm like i don't know seventy thousand dollars later you know in the minus like two and a half years later you know utility patents and whatever and i'm like yeah that's that's kind of how it started it's kind of crazy all right so i mean it sounds like you basically got the entrepreneur bug and you couldn't let it go. Well, that's what happens with a bug, right? It's there. Yeah, it, it keeps bugging me. But it's <laughs> listen. I entrepreneurship is 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 everything. I mean, when it comes to when it comes to me running my business, I mean, from literally from the minute that I got a green card, I started my agency out of the garage. And so it's not much different now. I'm like, I love that idea of putting something out there and being your own boss and doing something that. That you know, just creating, you know, on your own, on your own timeline. It is. It, it, I wouldn't. I wouldn't change it for anything. But it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's uh, no one listening to this podcast that would disagree with you on that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. I really love that you've 
you know, you've taken, you've taken risks in, in the past, whether it's kind of going out on your own and creating your own branding agency. And then now you're, you've shifted in a way from brand strategist to entrepreneur. How has that been for you? You know, and, and just to make clear for all my clients listening, I haven't shifted. I'm doing both. <laughs> so I have, I'm still happy to serve everyone. Fair, um, fair, fair. You know, and it's, I mean, the, 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 the way that it changed is that, you know, I mean, I have a lot, I, I always had empathy for my clients, but I have even more empathy for my clients now. So it really, it affected the way that I serve my clients where, um, and this is something that I'm going to get into um, in, in January of this year, and I'm sure I'm going to talk more about it um, in my mentorship groups and on Instagram and so on, where I'm really changing the way that I will work with clients now based on what I experienced. So now that I am in the driver's seat, um, you know, as, a, as an entrepreneur, and I see all the stuff that flies at me, 24-7. And branding, which I, of course, as a brand strategist thought was the most important thing in the universe ever, bar none, <laughs> is, is, I mean, I, I, I saw myself going through this journey where suddenly I realized, oops, I forgot to put the logo on the product. <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, wait, I am the brand guy. So it's this thing where I just, I just, I just learn a lot about how you navigate through these thousands of things and how I might better talk to my clients about branding and how to integrate, you know, branding in kind of like smaller pieces throughout the way. I'm in midst of this 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 thought process more on that later, but yeah, it definitely has affected me as a brand strategist, you know, also being this being this founder on the side now of a of a hardware startup. Yeah, no, that's that's amazing. And so you're you're basically wearing many hats at this point, brand strategist, entrepreneur. But tell us a little bit about what it was like to build the Tone Optic brand DNA. That was the easiest thing. <laughs> it's like, okay. you know, so, so the thing is, like, I literally did it on one transatlantic flight. Um, <laughs> I'm like, oh. It, so it was really funny, Kara, because you know you know you know a lot about Finian and about my brand workshop and eResonate and all of that. Um, for those of you listening um, who don't know about this, right? So I, I basically with my clients, I sit down for eight hours and we define their brand, right? Um, and then for bootstrapped entrepreneurs, I have a, an, an online version which is called eResonate, um, which you can do on your own. So I'm like. Oh my God, I'm, I'm a founder. I need to think about my brand. I have to walk in my own footsteps and I have to actually take e-resonate myself. <laughs> so I was literally on that plane ride and I, 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 a very well structured course, by the way, highly recommend it. So I, <laughs> I went through my own course um, and it, it, it came so naturally. And in a way, this really showed me that this philosophy that I have, where great brands are not built by agencies, but great brands are built by founders that have the right advisors and consultants that, that understand branding along the way, that just really got cemented more and more. Because my brand DNA, it's discovery. Um, that, that, that came up immediately. Like that idea of, you know, the reason why I built the product is because I want to discover these records in my collection that I otherwise would forget about because I can't flip through them because they're beautiful on the wall, right? So that was kind of the reason. But then 
the thrill of, of finding a record that you're looking for for years in a store, that's discovery, right? The thrill of listening to a new artist or hearing a new song by your favorite band and it just came out, that's discovery, right? And then now being in the world of product, to me as a product startup, I know there will be tons of innovation along along the way. And I constantly have to do R&D and think about new ways of solving problems. Um, that's discovery. So, so, so that brand DNA of discovery came to me super, super easy. Amazing. So, so then, so tone optic is discovery, just like Coke equals happiness or Everlane equals transparency. Is that? That's it. That's the one word. That's the one word. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Everything kind of goes around, around that word. Yeah. But then, you know, so, you know, it sounds like this time around, you didn't sit a client down. You had to sit yourself down, go through this process of building the brand. But tell us a little bit about how do you balance the creative aspects of brand building with the commercial realities of running a business? How do you approach that? Well, I mean, I don't know exactly where you're taking this question, but I'm sure you will take it into different directions based on my answer. But um, look, the, the, the thing is, I, I'm, I still have, you know, a creative director on my side, you know, at all times, Jesse, who's doing all the work for, 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 for Finian, for my clients when it comes to creative. So I had this amazing luxury of having fun with the brand from day one because I didn't have a product. <laughs> so it's like for the longest time we were selling a dream like any entrepreneur like an Elon Musk does right like we we just we I knew from the beginning let's create buzz we can create a brand let's create the brand and have the product follow so that is never a problem and I mean good example um just uh, just a couple of weeks ago from from when this airs um there was Black Friday and so for the first time I'm running a D2C startup I had to do the whole Black Friday Cyber Monday <laughs> small business Saturday right the whole thing and we literally we created I think 12 videos um we created so many posts we like it was so it was a week worth of like a full timer almost, right? Like creating all of these design assets and brand assets. Um, and then sure enough, the checkout didn't work. <laughs> it's like, it's like <laughs> things like that where I'm like, I'm full on on brand. Don't get me wrong. Like that is never a problem, right? We can do that. But then when it comes to like things where like, oh, because now we give a free gift on the site and the gift doesn't have shipping associated with it. Now suddenly you can't buy the product. Oops. And I just slept for eight hours and I wake up and I'm like, oh, we just lost $4,000. Not good. Right. Oh, so God. it's like, but, but that's. You know, that's the entrepreneurship where, you know, it's Thanksgiving day and I'm walking with my in-laws on this beautiful hike we planned. And within 10 minutes, I'm like, sorry, guys, you keep walking. I got to take the take the take the car back home because, you know, I got to fix something real quick. I mean, <laughs> that's really entrepreneurship with a bootstrap startup in the beginning, because you just every day you make 20 mistakes and you get like one or two, you know, like positive reactions where you're like, oh, that makes it worthwhile. Right. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's, um, it sounds like, you know, Tone Optic hasn't been smooth sailing from day one. Do you have any other war stories that you can share with us that you've, uh, you've had to tackle any hurdles? <laughs> oh, do I have, do I have wars? Well, look, I mean, in, in the, in the end, if you, if you are, if you're crazy enough 
to build a product that hasn't existed before in a market that you don't understand with a vehicle, which is e-commerce that you haven't done before. Um, you just expose yourself to some, some might call it failure or some might call it an immense amount of knowledge gathering and learning on the job, right? And, you know, like the, the way that I'm going to come out of this is going to be so much enriched, right? When it comes to marketing, when it comes to business, when it comes to all of that. So did I have fails? <laughs> yeah, I mean, too many, too many to mention, right? Um, I think it was two months into doing this seriously where, you know, basically at that point I, I started writing checks, right? I started, well, I guess at this point I did sell. <laughs> so I started, <laughs> I started transferring money to people in order for this product to come to life. And a couple of weeks in, I, I started, I started realizing that this whole thing might never, ever make it. I, I might spend a lot of money and this might never make it. So the best that I can do is start writing a book about it. And so I started writing a book and, and the first the first line of the book is, if anything, I get a book out of it, <laughs> right? So it's basically, <laughs> so there are so, Cara, there are so many things that literally every day, right? It's like, you know, I mean, I mean, a big one was that I spent half a year creating this super functional, beautiful, drool-worthy product, which was extremely high-end and super expensive to build. And it was like the Royce Royce of like record storage, right? Um, it cost $6,000 at the time, right? To, to like to like sell it, right? Like it was, it was amazing. Um, and I wouldn't have even made profit. Um, and what happened is that that unit was not shippable. <laughs> so so we built this beautiful thing and the only way that 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 you could basically transport it is 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 put it in a van and and drive it from point A to B it would it would come apart airlift it would come apart you know everywhere else so um that sounds like such a such a weird thing because you're like, well, I mean, didn't you build it in a sturdy way? No, totally. But there's this whole stress test that costs, you know, like $10,000 or whatever, where the product gets shaken up like it would be on an airplane and it does this and this, right? And you have to keep reiterating for another 10000 or 20000 on the packaging until it's perfect. We didn't have that money. So we just said, well, we built a really sturdy box that has a great mechanism in it. Um, and that, that just wasn't enough. So, you know, put in another however much money and another couple months, and then you get to something that's better and better and better. But this reiterative process where just because you can't ship it, that's something you can't plan on. <laughs> so that's a big <laughs> fail. It's suddenly like, okay, half a year later and like another like $30,000, you're like, oh good, we can ship this thing now. <laughs> <laughs> You don't plan on that. It sounds like such a such a such an obvious thing, and yet, and yet, <laughs> and and it's not obvious at all because you can literally take this thing, put it in a box, drive it to someone, and everything is good. You can move it around, right? So it's like this thing where there. What what I learn is that unless you have just like in branding, if you don't have specialists around you all all along the way. Um, you know, you will make these mistakes, right? And so now that I'm two and a half years into that, um, I have all of these people around me, or at least as many as I can possibly afford still being bootstrapped, you know, like just having turned on the e-commerce, you know, engine uh, a month ago and starting to slowly start seeing money coming in, right? So it's it's about you have to you have to have experts for everything around you at all times. 
No, absolutely. And I mean, speaking, speaking of branding, what does branding mean to you? Tell us more about that. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's so, well, obviously, you know, I've, I've answered this question most probably in different ways, you know, for, for the last uh, 20, 30 years. Um, so <laughs> maybe not 30, maybe that's, maybe that's too much, right? But, <laughs> but I always try to, whenever I'm on a podcast and it's like Fabian of, you know, Finian and Chameleon Collective and the brand author and like me being the brand person and I answer this question, um, it's always different because it really, to me, that's the beauty of, of the idea of branding and the idea of what a brand is. Even in my head, it constantly kind of like, you know, like feels a little bit different. So I don't have that standard answer, which I kind of like, but from an entrepreneurial point of view, now that I'm, now that I'm running this thing um, next, to, next to what I usually do, I really think that I would describe it that, um, that a brand is really a company that people love for a reason. And then branding is honing in on and sharing that particular reason. That's, that's how I see it today. It's going to be different tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll tune into the next podcast and see if your, your definition uh, evolved. Exactly. So tell, tell me more about, you know, are there elements that make up for a resilient brand? What, what can founders learn um, from you with respect to building a res resilient brand and the key elements that it takes to build a, a resilient brand? I think, I mean, with a resilient brand, first of all, it's, it's really based, it's based on, on the right um, strategy. Right. So, and on the right product. So the right, the right product is, you know, or service is something that, uh, that you can uniquely own. That doesn't mean that you are uniquely doing it, but you can uniquely own it. In the case of Tone Optic, it is completely unique. No one's ever done it before. That really helps us, right? Like get the foot in the door and be resilient in the way where people, it's, it's hard, it's hard to, to, to get a piece of that, right? Like that, that makes us, that makes us resilient in that way. Um, but, Having it based on a really strong brand architecture and brand strategy, um, super important because when it comes to like naming conventions and when it comes to 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 all of these things, it can really it can really break a business you know quickly, or not having the right values or having really the, the cemented the cemented mantra of the company of like look this is who we are, this is how we want to function in the world, this is how we want to come across. Um, and people can feel that because a lot of startups don't think about that part of branding at all, right? They just push out the product, do A-B tests, make sure that the price is right and go for it. And they will never be a resilient brand. They will just hopefully have good products or good enough products to keep going for a certain amount of time. But again, back to my to, to today's definition of branding, for me, it's like that idea that it's a, it, it's a company that people love for a reason. And what is that reason? Right. And that reason most of the time is not just the product. And if it is the product, then the product is so insanely overly awesome that 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 you can feel the love just based on the product. Right. Because you're like, this product is so dang good that I'm never going to, uh, you know, I'm never going to go to any of the if any of the competitors because of that. So um, 
brand differentiation can start at a product level absolutely but it needs to be there needs to be this this reason um to 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 love to love a brand for it to be resilient and i think all of these it's 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 this it's all of these components together right that you're just thoughtfully building a company into a brand that everyone working for you like it's contagious they feel that enthusiasm they feel that excitement they want to be part of it and that then that then sooner or later it just carries over to um over to the customers um and that's when you know you have something really exciting going on mm-hmm. and so speaking you know speaking of a an awesome product and a brand that you can learn to love and get to know it feels like you've really built a a brand experience for Tone Optic uh, on your website. You know, could you tell us a little bit more about how can founders think about delivering a brand experience around their product when when customers visit their website, look them up, etc. It's um first thank you and 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 yes, it it is it is it is really important, right? And so even before I had a product that I could ship. <laughs> and for me, that means a lot of things. <laughs> no pun. Um, it, you know, I I already had uh, I had a podcast going where I interview people about like their record collection and you know like like you know famous artists um, and DJs. And I already had you know the Tone Optic Ten, which is my favorite ten new releases of the last thirty days. And um, you, you know, like there are there are things where I felt like we we were ready getting in touch with what's underlying what's the underlying um uh excitement and love that we share with our audience right and for me this came very naturally because i love music i i you know i grew up in a household uh where my my father was um you know was a concert master for you know some of the most famous orchestras um and so he played the violin 24 7 in our house you know i i dragged him onto my first record fair when i was 11 years old so i started collecting records at 11. <laughs> so it's like to me you know I'm, I'm doing a side project a music project to me music is just really life so to for me to become part of this of this community um felt very natural like i knew what i would like and so that's what i that's what i give them now so for instance starting um tomorrow <laughs> starting <laughs> starting sunday uh we we're going i'm going to go to um to a record shop um and buy the coolest record that they have in the store um you know you know of course under 100 dollars or whatever right but like something that's really a holy grail and i'm going to talk to the owners there and say hey what's the coolest thing um and then i'm going to tell them about tone optic and i'm going to take the records hopefully they ask me that oh tell me more and i'm like hey maybe i've got some flyers in the car right and like the total <laughs> grassroots right like door nice. to door but then I'm going to post that record, you know, on on Instagram and say, hey, we're going to give that away, you know, in the next 48 hours. You know, all you have to do is just sign up, you know, like like leave your email in our on our website and we'll pick one of you to to have this awesome record. Right. Mm -hmm. But that's the kind of stuff where if I would be on the other end and I see that record and I know exactly what it's worth and it's going to be worth more later on. I know 60 bucks is not a lot, but for collectors, this is the fun, right? I would totally opt in. I'm, I'm like, this is cool. I want to be part of that community. Every month they give away this cool record and they talk to the record store owner and they're tagged on it. 
And really, that creates kind of like that snow. And, and this is silly. This is a silly, small, small macro level thing. But it really creates this kind of like snowball effect where then it is this one record store owner talking to the other one. Like, have you seen this tone optic thing? And then they've got flyers there and people see it. And then, you know, one thing just leads to another and people are tagged online and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it's those little ideas where for me, it's really fun to do it anyways, right? Um, I love doing it and I, I love connecting with the audience. And, you know, a good example is there's, a, there's, there's an audio um, retail chain in the US and I don't want to name them right now because uh, the deal is not 100% yet. But they... Every time, like I thought about the future of Tone Optic, I'm like, ah, I just want to be sold there. Like I want mm -hmm. Tone Optic there because it's super high end. They print these amazing catalogs, you know, at Christmas time that everyone is drooling over, even though it's just a catalog, right? So it's like they're doing so many things, right? I always wanted to be a part of that. Well, I wrote them a year ago, you know, some sales guy there that came recommended, and he never wrote back, and I'm like, oh, bummer. Um, and then yesterday, the vice president of sales of that company left me a voicemail saying, hey, we saw you. We've been following you guys. Um, we would love to sell you. And I'm wow. like, okay, good. But when I picked <laughs> up when I picked up the phone and I called him back, he already totally got the idea of what Twin Optic is all about. He's like, yeah, I've got 2,000 records in, 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 like down in the basement. I would love to just take like 70 up, put them on their rotation thing. And I'm like, I totally get it. This is so new. This is so different. And that to me long-winded answer to a short question <laughs> that that is though how you can how you can create these journeys where if someone goes to your website and they come out understanding exactly what it what it would mean to them of like oh i can take my stuff out i can put it up there i can activate my record collection if people start repeating the words that you put out there then you know that the journey is 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 is, is, a, is a good one Mm -hmm. No, I, I love it. I love it because it's, it's a way to convey your message. And, and, and of course, it sounds like your personal story, your passion for music, all of that affected the identity of Tone Optic. And so one of the things that, that I'd love to hear more about, and I think everyone would love to hear more about is, what would you recommend to founders when it comes to building the identity of their own brands, what should be top of mind for them when they really get into it? And when you say your own brands, you don't mean their personal brand, but if they come up with a brand like Tone Optic that is very near and dear to them because it's kind of like, exactly. a, it's like passion based, That's right? right? That's right. Yeah. You know, I feel that after having talked to a hundred founders on a show called Hitting the Mark, which I used to run until today, <laughs> and I will again next time, after talking to all these founders, the ones that were solving a personal problem in a space that they feel passionate about. So let's say, you know, someone who really loves cooking, and then they figured, oh my God, there's something missing in the process. And then they create that product or that recipe or that, you know, whatever service. It is so much easier for them to build that brand because they don't need to do audience research. They don't need to do market research. They don't need to do any of that. As much as 
someone who says, hey, uh, let's brainstorm about what startup idea we could come up with, which market we could penetrate, right? Let's look at data, which market is ripe for innovation. Those are the ones where it's a data-driven game, where brand is the last thing that they're going to think about because it's not really heart and soul that drives it. It's really more like a financial idea that drives it, right? So where can we find a marketplace, right? Where is there space for us? But the people who have a passion project and then suddenly they realize, hmm, like there's something in my hobby that's missing. Building a brand, yeah, it might look like crap because they're not designers, right? But creating creating community and, and saying the right things, even though the copy might not be perfect, all of that and in, 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 in fitting into these right groups and communities, that's going to come very, very, very easy, very natural. For me too, it's like one of the most, one of the most successful, um, you know, viral things that we've done was not creating, we, we, had, we had the unit set up in a studio. We spent like 12 hours setting it up, filming it, and it was perfect, right? That video was good, got some traction, but not as much as when I put you know, like a Deepish Mode record in there, like 10 Deepish Mode records in there, and I flip through them and I close the unit again, and that's the video, and I put it on the Deepish Mode Facebook group. People go nuts over it, right? And it took me two minutes to do. <laughs> and it's totally scrappy. And then I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Let me do this for REM. Let me do this for Bad Bunny. Let me do this for Mariah Carey, whoever, right? Just put their records in, flip the thing, do the thing. And then suddenly everyone there goes crazy because they can relate to it. And they're like, oh my God, like there's someone, someone of us. And it's like, oh yeah, it's my product. And they're like, oh my God, right? <laughs> so it's... Like, so it's there's this there's this connection, but it's easy. It comes easy because it's all of these are your people in a way, right? We all love music. We all share this passion. Oh, absolutely. So, in, you know, based on everything we're talking about, do you feel like every brand designer, every brand strategist at some point or another should try to build a product of their own? Well... <laughs> I guess first get a physical, make sure your body is ready for it. <laughs> no, it's look, it's it. I mean, the standard answer would be yes, of course, you should do it. Right. But I feel like it is really you have to be you have to be physically, mentally ready to do it because it is really, really, really hard. <laughs> so, you know, it's like I, you know, when you. When you, when you create a product and you put so much effort into it and then you start getting hate mail, which people do all the time for anything, right? Um, it gets really personal, right? Or when you, when you work really, really hard and then things break and then you start, you, you go back two steps every day for 30 days, for 60 days, for 100 days. It's hard for you not to break, right? And not to say, you know what, screw it. This is silly. I could just go back to my day job. Things are fine, right? Um, and and I say this because I think it's not it's not it's not talked about enough, right? Because it's all like fail forwards, cool, yeah. And it's like, oh, we're also cool. It's like no, there's there are huge mental issues with entrepreneurs, right? There's no group that they can go to. It's this thing where you know, like they're lonely doing the thing, and they get eighty percent crap and like twenty percent positive messages. Um, 
And then suddenly, you know, they're on hitting the mark and they're like, oh, everything is great because we're successful now. <laughs> yeah, it's like, but until then, you had to suffer a lot, right? So I really think you need to be ready. I totally wasn't ready. I had no idea. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, this is gonna be great. I'm gonna have someone build it and I'm gonna sell it. I mean, perfect, more power to me, right? Um, it's it's really, really hard and it takes it takes a lot out of you, it takes a lot of time away from you and your family, from, you know, the other job that actually makes money, right? Like you really have to think this through um, if it is worth it for you, A, and B, when the right time is. And I think it's much more about the second, right? Like when is the right time in your life where you say, and for me, it kind of was, you know, it was at the end of the pandemic. It was, you know, like Finian is running smoothly and part of Chameleon Collective. Work is coming in easier, like all of that stuff, right? It was kind of like not, not a bad time. Um, but those are things that you need to ask yourself. And all of my advice is going to go right over your head because the minute that you have an idea and you're like, oh, that's a good one, you're going to do it anyways. <laughs> that's just how entrepreneurship works, right? You're like, oh my God, this would be so cool. And at that moment, either you do it or you don't do it or you sit it for 10 years and then you do it but yeah that's an entrepreneur you gotta you kind of want to follow through with your ideas <laughs> the passion is definitely there um yeah so yeah. tell me you know tell us what's next for tone optic what are you excited about in the next six months oh my god everything i mean look excitement is there's, there's always enough excitement right so so first of all I just started selling these new units, which are now fully modular. You can put them on the wall. You can have them flat, you know, horizontal on, on a piece of furniture, built them in, etc. Like these units, which are now 325 to 375, you know, fairly affordable. Um, shipping all over the world now since yesterday. <laughs> we got a great like, you know, like shipping rate. Um, this is only 30 days in now, right? So for me, the next, um, the next, uh, you know, like two, three months are all about like getting the units into as many, as many, um, getting as many orders as possible. We're starting production next week. Uh, they're gonna, they're gonna ship in February. So for me, the next couple of months are all about getting a lot of orders in, making sure, um, you know, I keep pushing community um, and then making sure the production is insanely good, that everything QC, right? Everything goes perfectly to the right customers at the right time. Um, and after that, it's really, it's kind of like the floodgates, right? Because then people are going to install them, they're going to do videos and then everything hopefully is going to, is going to be, um, much, much smoother. Um, also starting retailers. So um, people will be able to then see the units, you know, all, all across the world, you know, like at their favorite audio retailers. Um, so all of that is going to happen. But I tell you, Kara, there, there's a list of like 20 R&D ideas that we sit on that we want to do with the unit. Um, I get so much feedback of really good ideas um, that, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, th that's why I love doing this because I know this is not just this one quick idea. This this can really turn into something that you can just like keep on keep on keep on spinning. No pun. So <laughs> I love it. And you know what? Let me let me add to your already exciting and long to do list. So if you could pick just one artist or one band, past or present, although present is probably more relevant, to fall in love with Tone Optic, who would it be and why? <laughs> you know, I mean, so, so, so here, here's the thing, and this is what really excites me. Um, artists 
love this thing. So on, on a Friday night, suddenly my phone lights up with an incoming Instagram video call, which I didn't know that existed. Um, <laughs> and it was it was Sid from Slipknot uh, from the band. And he's like, he, he's, he, he wants to talk to me because he loves the product, right? I had, you know, I had DJ Newmark, you know, of Jurassic 5 saying, hey, big respect. And I've got like bands and people that I, that I really looked up to and still do, like, kind of like cheering me on at the side. So I have that. Now, who is that one artist or that one? I, I, I'm, I'm not a fanboy when it comes to that. I, I think everyone knows by now. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm collecting Depeche Mode. I'm a big Depeche Mode kind of like, you know, uh, you know, fan when it comes to the music and, and, and collecting. So wouldn't mind, you know, if, 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 if Martin Gore or Dave Kahan is are like, you know, but really for me, the idea that anyone who is in the in the scene reaches out to me and says, wow, I love your product. I would love to have a couple of those in my studio. That to me is amazing. I guess the one that I would absolutely love is Rick Rubin. So Rick Rubin is a is, is a producer and he produced everyone from the Red Hot Chili Peppers to I mean literally like I mean literally he produces everyone and he's got this insane Malibu beach um studio which these tone optics would fit really really nicely in <laughs> so that would be really cool but yeah somehow I feel like it might happen you know I'm very optimistic like that amazing you gotta you gotta keep the optimism high I love it absolutely so then you know before we wrap this up tell tell us and for any artists or bands that are looking for you after this question how can people get to know tone optic it's really easy. It's uh, Tonoptic uh, anywhere. Tonoptic.com is the site. It's the best place to start. Um, I'm really active on Instagram, uh, handle at Tonoptic. Uh, but Pinterest goes strong to um, TikTok, wherever. Go to Tonoptic and, uh, and you can find us. Perfect. Well, Th Fabian, thanks for joining me today. I, I loved this conversation and I hope that everyone's wheels are spinning after the insights that we got from you on this episode. Well, thank you and thank me for having me. Um, this is, uh, I, have to, I have to say, this was a, a really, really fantastic um, show. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to learn more about it. Hitting the market is, huh? It, it sounds really good. It sounds good. Yeah. I'm going to yeah, listen I've, to this a lot. <laughs> I've heard good things. Thank you, Kara, so much for, um, for, for taking over for this episode uh, and spinning it around. This was, this was tons of fun. Thank you. This was Fabian Geierhalter, who you may have known from being the regular host of this show. You may know him from Finian, from Chameleon Collective, or even from his books on branding. But now, you also know him as the bootstrapped entrepreneur, shaking things up for people who love vinyl records, design, and functionality. He clearly couldn't help himself and had to join the startup hustle and other very passionate entrepreneurs focused on hardware products. I've personally been really impressed with brand strategists and designers who dare to venture out and become founders themselves. People who advise founders should really know what it feels like being in a founder's shoes. And it's just really awesome to observe Fabian's work and the amazing brands and now products that he's been putting out into the world. Thank you all again for joining me for this very special episode and if you want to be in touch and brainstorm through finally embracing a career for yourself that you'll be in love with, you can find me at karaabel.com. 
or of course on LinkedIn under Kara Ebel. That's K-A-R-A-E-B-E-L. I'm the only Kara who mentions martial arts on their LinkedIn headlines, so you really can't miss me. Send me a hello and I can't wait to connect with you on there. Hitting the Mark is produced by Finian, a consultancy that creates clarity for brand transformations. This very episode was edited by Everett Barton, and the Hitting the Mark theme music was written and produced by Happiness One, yet another project that Fabian worked on. Wait, was I even supposed to disclose that? Well, Fabian will see you soon. But at that time, in the next episode, you will once again be hitting the 